rickety old wooden boat in the middle of a lake and my old life is the shoreline and I keep trying to get back to the shore but every time I do some wave of grief or uncertainty or anxiety or some situation just knocks me over so I'm just in the middle of this lake waving my hands at my old life I just felt like my old life had gone and I didn't know how to get any stability anymore. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring creative influencers who are radically changing the way we think about aging. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is provided by Judy Banker, who was a guest on Zestful Aging. Her CD, Buffalo Motel, will be out in January of 2020. Find out more about Judy at her website, judybanker.com. And I've got my loyal Jack Russell Terrier, Sparky, by my side, so let's begin. Today, I am delighted to be speaking to Joanna Mosley. Joe has been picking up garbage or litter picking across England's canal while traveling on a paddle boat. She's the first woman to paddleboard coast to coast litter picking and fundraising. And she's traveled a total of 162 miles from Liverpool to Ghoul. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And she's raised um, more than $1,000 for charity. And she's recorded a video diary during this amazing journey. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hi, thank you for having me. So your story begins in 2013 in the, what you would call in the biscuit aisle of a supermarket. (laughs) We call we call cookie those cookies. Aisle. We call those cookies. Tell I, tell tell uh, us what happened in the cookie aisle, Joe. In the cookie, I actually went to college in America for a year, so um, ah. I do know about cookies. Oh, um, good. So what happened? I burst into tears. Literally, I just started sobbing, and um, I was with my two sons, who were sixteen and twelve at the time, and I just was crying, and I said, "I can't cope. I just." can't cope anymore this is all too much for me um and so uh, they were obviously you know hugely embarrassed um and um we left the supermarket quite quickly we paid for our goods and, and left um and i just recounted this to a friend the next day and from that day on my life sort of changed really it was it was like another rock bottom moment and um it just sort of went up from there what did you mean when you said, I just can't cope anymore? Um, just life was just overwhelming me. Um, I am a single mum, so I've looked after my boys for 12 years now. I think I've been divorced. Um, both my parents at the time were having chemotherapy. Um, mm. And yeah, at the same time, <laughs> it was a bit crazy. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was probably going through the early stages of the perimenopause. Um, Mm. I wasn't sleeping. I was just incredibly anxious the whole time, just exhausted. So um, I just felt like life was too much and I just couldn't cope with just one more shopping trip, really. Mm. It was just all too much for me. All too much. And so you were working also while you were raising your Mm. boys? 
Yeah, yeah, I've um, I've always kind of been the breadwinner for the boys. So um, yeah, I was working, and it was one of those times straight after school when you're you're doing errands, and it was just like this is too much. I just want to go home. Mm-hmm. And you were how old at the time? 48. 48. So you just kind of yeah. had this, maybe what we call like a breakdown and just said, I'm at the end yeah. of the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just kept on going and kept on going. Um, I mean, I don't know if the doctors would say it was like a, a technically a breakdown, but it was at that moment, it all just was too much for me. But, you know, mums, we just get up the next day, you know, I went to bed early, got up the next day and just started it all over again. And then I told a friend, I sort of told her in a bit of a jokey way, really. And then she said, how much do you exercise? And I was like, well, hmm, kind of, you know, <laughs> running after the boys. I mean, I spent my whole weekend at rugby pitches, and but I wasn't playing. Obviously, I was on the side. <laughs> right, um, right, right. So it was just like busy, busy, busy. And you think you're busy and you're running around everywhere, but you're not really. You're just busy looking after everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. And so she asked me that and she lent me an old indoor rowing machine um and i started indoor rowing in my kitchen on this kind of machine that was about to die really and um and two weeks later i started sleeping that that me mm. is the key thing if i sleep i can function if i don't sleep mm-hmm. i can't function mm-hmm. so, so this was sort of a little bit of a uh how shall we say sort of serendipity that you yeah. you crashed you talked to your friend and you said oh my goodness and she said oh i have this rickety old rowing machine yeah and yeah. But how did you and and you were so burnt out how did you yeah. get these sort of the the get up and go to try this rowing machine when when you were so <laughs> tired um i think when it i think it was just as at my wits end that i would try anything mm-hmm. like if she'd said i don't know if she'd invited me to a yoga class i would have gone i think i was willing to try anything that mm-hmm. would help me sleep um, I and see. i thought well if i just row myself to exhaustion physically (laughs) (laughs) Um, and she made it easy she gave it to me it was in my kitchen you know I didn't have to join a gym I didn't have to put on any I didn't actually own any leggings I I had this old pair of sort of tracksuit in fact I still have my college tracksuit bottoms from Uh 1986-87 that was about the only tracksuit leggings I had Um, and so I didn't have to make that much effort other than to simply sit on the rowing machine and do it and do it and it was just extraordinary how I started to sleep and suddenly you know Life just looks better when you sleep, I think. Oh, that is for sure. So I'm guessing you were pretty sore the next day after not (laughs) exercising. The rowing machine's hard work. Yeah, it is. I just, I didn't, it's really funny because I didn't do it for any physical reason other than the exhaustion. So um, I can't Mm. really remember how it felt other than, other than maybe my body just felt good. You know, it just had felt so bad for so long so exhausted so um worn out and and you know aches and pains and joint aches and all the things that that seem to come with me with, with the perimenopause that i i just felt good and i you know i the goodness over overrode whatever and other feelings that came mm-hmm. with it yeah mm-hmm. and what did the boys think of their mom in her in her old tracks <laughs> on a uh, rickety rowing well, machine in the kitchen 
I just think, you know, if she's off our case and she's not crying <laughs> in supermarkets, then it's all good. It's all good. We're it's happy. It's all good. We're oh. happy. We're happy. Um, you know, we're happy. So they just let me get on with it. They've always been very much like, you just got on with your thing, mum. That's great. So, right. yeah, I think they were just really pleased. And um, yeah, so it just changed changed a lot of things so so this became a regular habit for you is Mm -hmm. doing your rowing machine and then what and then what happens next so that was in um the may june of 2013 and then in the december of that year just before christmas um my mum died she had lymphoma um and so she she went into hospital at the end of november and and she died on the 21st of december so that obviously was just awful for all of us Mm. um but i found really weirdly that i by this time i joined the gym i think that I think the old row machine had actually sort of collapsed at this point. Um, so I had joined a gym and um, I found that I would keep going back to the gym just to row, literally just to row. And, and, it, and it sort of struck me that this was offering me something now through all the grief and all the sort of supporting my dad, supporting my sons. Mm-hmm. It was offering me something. And um, I then went to um, bereavement counseling, um, which was extraordinary. And I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It was the most extraordinary experience. And um, in bereavement counseling, he said to me, how do you feel? And I said, I feel like I'm in a rickety old wooden boat um, in the middle of a lake. And my old life is the shoreline. And I keep trying to get back to the shore. But every time I do some wave of grief or uncertainty or anxiety or some situation, just knocks me over so I'm just in the middle of this lake waving my hands at my old life I just felt like my old life had gone and I didn't know how to get any stability anymore and he said to me what do you think you need to do and I said I need to sit down and row back to my own life and obviously I meant it metaphorically uh, you know but 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 three Three weeks later, I think it was on the fifth um, on the fifth of May, which is my parents' wedding anniversary. Um, I decided that I was going to start to row a million meters and a marathon for Macmillan Cancer Support, which is um, an organisation that supports people with cancer. Um, and they had supported my parents, and so I decided to do this. And for the next eight months, I rowed ten thousand meters um, mm-hmm. every other night after work. And so what had seemed like a kind of metaphorical idea of rowing back to my, my, the shoreline of my life, I actually did that. <laughs> um, mm. And I rode the marathon on the first anniversary of my mum's death mm. and five days before my 50th birthday. So, mm. yeah, really. Mm. And I, can't, I actually don't know how I did it now. <laughs> so we raised £10,000, which is an awful lot of money. And... I realized then that the rowing and the, just the physical moving had helped me with my grief. So it was like the moving had helped me with, with, with my menopause. It had helped me with my grief, mm-hmm. my anxiety. Um, and I just realized it was so much more than I'd ever imagined moving could be, really. And and there's this other, such a meaningful piece to it. You're not just saying, well, this is kind of like medicine. I'm going to row and I'll feel better. I mean, you have this other piece of, you know, raising money for a cause that you believe deeply in. 
yeah and and that's the thing um you know people said how did you find the motivation and and it was not about motivation there was no motivation involved really it was like i had it was like a it was like a must rather than a should it was like i i must do this i need to do this for my mum and i need to do it yeah i needed to do it for my mum and i needed to do it for my my sons to see that we had lost oh gosh sorry we had lost this huge part of our lives but mm. that we could create something positive as well mm. um so yeah it was um it was a really crazy thing to do but uh it was uh, it helped me you know different mm. people turn to different sources and i turned to a rowing machine but um yeah i hope that by raising all that money that some other families could be supported and um, even though my mum thought exercise was just ridiculous and why would anybody do it? She, she, you know, let's, you know, let's be honest about it. I mean, she used to swim, but um, she never got her hair wet or her makeup never, you know. <laughs> and she used to, um, she used to swim with all her jewellery on and, um, you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, exercise for her was like, well, why would you do that? But she did swim a lot. Um, and it was like... I just hope that she would feel that there was some something positive and, and um, mm. you know, uh, that some good came out of it. And what did the boys think as you're doing these extreme sports? <laughs> the same thing. She's off our case. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about don't look in my room and yeah. leave me alone. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think they've always been quite proud. Of, like I sort of say to them, hey, I did this or I'm in a newspaper or whatever. Um, and they'll go, oh, yeah, no, that's cool. Or they'll say, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think, I think they're proud. I think, I think they're proud. They tell me that they're proud. And, they, they, you know, I think I've learned a lot from my sons about being brave and courageous in their decisions. Mm. And, and I hope that they've maybe seen me do some stuff. So we kind of, um, bounce off each other you know we we've kind of all been through difficult times the three of us but we hopefully can spur each other on to 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 do good things so yeah yeah they just sort of like oh yeah I saw that on Instagram I'm cool <laughs> and I saw something on social media where it was pouring down rain and you were yeah. on your paddleboard litter picking just yeah drenched and tell me what you <laughs> tell tell us what you saw at the end of that journey so i think that probably the one that you've seen is as i arrived in ghoul so ghoul is the most inland port in the uk it's it's as much coast to coast as you can get across the north um, and i'd been paddleboarding for 11 days that day it started with brilliant sunshine it was so beautiful and the wind for the first time was really behind my back um, because I'd gone through the first two days of the trip had non-stop rain and we'd have thunder and lightning um, and this was the final day and I had this image mm -hmm. that I would arrive you know in sunshine and it would all be just sort of beautiful um, and the day beautiful sunshine I stood up on my paddleboard I put my paddle out which made me almost like into a sail and I was pushing along and pushing along mm -hmm. and then about 20 minutes before we arrived or we my boy my board and I, I always call her we um, the, my board <laughs> and I arrived um, 
another woman came out who's a British canoeing ambassador like myself and she was in her little um, kayak and she came out and joined me and it just started to rain and like rain and thunder and lightning mm. and like somebody was literally pouring a bucket over ah, us ah. and so we paddled through and we were laughing I didn't even have time to put my legging uh, my waterproof leggings on and we were laughing in a way and she sort of I kind of crossed this imaginary finish line and there was a group of people there which I had not expected to be there cheering mm. and I just sort of arrived in Gould in this thunderstorm and went to the edge um a really amazing woman called frit who um is making a film with me about it she was there and saying she's arrived she's arrived mm. and they gave me some flowers and i sort of stood there holding these flowers in the air as the rain poured ah. down on me and it was just really weird and then and then the most amazing thing happened nicole because my this rainbow came out and mm. it was the most mm. extraordinary rainbow now I haven't really told many people why I cried. Uh, so at this point, I was videoing myself for some um, TV, a TV company that wanted some footage. So I was videoing myself with the the rainbow behind me, and I couldn't stop crying. Mm. And everybody was like, "Are you crying because you're exhausted? Are you crying because you've achieved it?" And all those things were true. But also, when I when my mum was dying in the hospital, she said, mm. "If you ever see a rainbow or a oh, white gosh. feather." I am there. So I was, mm. um, there's footage of me literally crying and holding oh. my holding my mouth because I can't, you, you know, when you're trying to stop yourself crying and it's obviously not working. Oh, um, and yeah. so I know I knew my dad would be there. He's 86 and I knew my dad would be there and I knew that my dad would know what that meant to me. Oh. And so um, I was just like holding it back and they were like, you know, that's really amazing. You must be exhausted. And I'm like, oh. yeah, yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> So I saw my dad and I said, did you see the rainbow? And he was like, yes. And all oh. my family were like, did you see the rainbow? Like oh, my mom was boy. best friend. She just sent me a message saying, I saw the rainbow. Mom oh, was there, boy. you know. And so oh, it was boy. just, it was just a really weird sort of extra thing that I had <sighs> not at all anticipated. Um, and I haven't really spoken when I, when I went on to the local TV studios, they, they asked about that and I was like, yeah, no, I was just really exhausted oh, and really overwhelmed wow. because I didn't really feel it was the right appropriate time to talk about my mum at the time. But yeah, it was just really, weird. <laughs> like, oh, oh you know, she wow. was there, she was there. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you're giving me chills across the ocean right now. <laughs> Oh yeah. my goodness. So yeah. many levels of meaning, you know, yeah. you know, your mom being there, you doing this amazing work and, you know, from, from this breakdown in the cookie aisle, here's mm -hmm. this woman paddling. Hey, Zestfulagers. Last year, I attended the International Federation on Aging's Global Conference in Toronto, and they've announced the 15th Global Conference on Aging for Niagara Falls, Ontario, from November 1st through 3rd, 2020. Zestful Aging Podcast is a proud partner for this conference, and I encourage you to all consider attending. The conference features prominent experts presenting and discussing critical issues within the field of aging. So head on over to ifa2020.org to learn more, and I hope to see you in Niagara Falls in November. 
how do you do this, Joe? What are the logistics? You have spots where you'll pull over and be hosted and sleep, um, eat? Yeah, so um, I'm really, really, really bad at asking for help. Um, I think it's this whole single mum thing. It's like, I've got to do it a thousand times better than everybody else. And, you know, um, (laughs) yeah, really crazy. Um, And so um, I had booked accommodation in um, little hotels for the beginning and the end. But some friends on Twitter had offered to host me for one night. And then in the middle, um, I was passing through near where I live. So um, I live in the middle of the country and the canal comes through my town. So um, for four nights, I was able to stay at home. And one of the things I wanted to do was to say, you can have adventures on your doorstep. You don't have to travel around the you know, another part of the world, you can have these most amazing experiences really close to home. Mm. So on those, those nights, a friend of mine, her, her daughter, her 18 year old daughter offered to collect me from the canal, take me home, pick me up in the morning, take me back to the same spot. And so it was really amazing. I was on this incredible journey but for four nights, I was able to sleep at home and put it on. <laughs> so, um, and then also stay with people that I'd met on Twitter. And literally, I said to my boys, oh, yeah, so I'm staying with this family. And they were like, so how do you know them, mum? And I'm like, um, <laughs> so I met them on Twitter. Oh, and they're my like, God. Okay, let's just, you know, okay, you met them on Twitter. That's great. And then I'm like, yeah, but I Skyped them. And they oh. look really nice. Oh, and, you know, my God. And they're just like, oh, my goodness this is what the mother says to the kids yes don't meet up with people on social media yeah this is just crazy but i've met so many people from social media in real life and it has brought such joy to my life that i just figured these people i said look if they wanted to in you know harm me they would not go to this trouble of doing it and I said I followed them on social media I followed the 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 the, um the wife isn't on social media much but the man is and he's really into yoga so I don't think how bad can he be oh you know he's just I just don't think people into yoga would kill me and they're just like (laughs) you know and they're just looking and shaking their heads and so Frit and I the filmmaker and I, we, we were, uh, she was with me that night. And so we were driving to their house and we were going, mm. what if they kill us? And she was yeah. like, I don't know, but I'm just really hungry. So I think <laughs> before they do, we could just eat. Have, a, have a little great. nibble. <laughs> yes. You know, and they were just amazing. And that had been one of the hardest days of the trip. And I sort of arrived really wet and, and cold and a bit smelly and a bit like oh mm-hmm. and they were just really wonderful yeah so sometimes at hotels sometimes at home and I think if I was doing something again I would possibly ask to stay with people if they you know and say look could anybody put me up I'd never I, I, I didn't dare do that but I think I would next time because mm-hmm. they said they enjoyed it and I was like mm-hmm. really <laughs> are we not an imposition <laughs> and they're like no it's really lovely to be part of something that you're doing oh. and so yeah it all worked out wow. really really well so to give us a little taste of what it is like to be paddle boarding on the canal and you're at the time you're same time you're picking up trash mm. how does um, this work 
<laughs> well, I have quite a big paddleboard. Okay. Um, so I have quite a, um, a bit of room at the front. And I knew that I couldn't pick up everything um, because in some areas there's just too much. But I wanted to pick up, I wanted to do some every day and record on my social media what I'd found so that people could understand what was mm -hmm. in the canals. Mm -hmm. Because 80% of what ends up on our beaches starts inland. So if we can all make a difference inland, it doesn't mm -hmm. get to the beaches and doesn't get to the ocean. So um, I would just pick stuff up and I'd take photographs and record it. And then sometimes people along the way would see what I had in my on the front of my board or in my bag and say, would you like to, me to take it away for you? And, ah. Yeah. So um, people were really helpful. Or if I got to a place where I could dispose of it, I would. Mm. So I did, you know, I wasn't taking everything. I just wanted to sure. show what was there. Um, and do something every day and and some stuff I couldn't take because it was like massive traffic cones or mm. wheelbarrows oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah so um but it was yeah it was interesting I mean really distressing in some areas really distressing what we saw and the impact of the plastic on um some of the bird life I mean the birds are really resilient but it that was really distressing but each day was so different on the canal, the architecture. So the canals, this particular canal is over 200 years old. So mm -hmm. you come through these amazing industrial towns where the mill owners had um, built, you know, beautiful architecture. Mm. Um, and then you go through countryside, you go through towns. I mean, it's just each area was different. There were no two days the same. So each day was just very, very different. It was lovely. Mm. And this, uh, these are man-made canals, two hundred years. Yeah. Ago. I see. Yeah, I yeah. See. So that so they they were made in order to transport the goods between uh, between towns. It was the the most efficient way. And mm -hmm. and obviously now they're not used for that. So now they're used for really well-being. You know, well-being of people going near the canals, walking by them, mm. paddleboarding, canoeing. Um, and narrow boats people use it for leisure so um, it's all about looking after them and and then you know the canals sort of looking after our well-being by um, just being so beautiful and soothing really tell me about some of the animals you ran into so mainly bird life I saw so many birds um, I spent a lot of time with ducks which are really sweet <laughs> um, more hens, geese, swans, which sometimes can be a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. um, when they've got cygnets, they can be They're very, aggressive. Yeah, they can be, but they seem to be, the cygnets were getting older by the time I was coming along. So mm -hmm. mainly there was just a couple of incidents when they weren't, when they were a bit aggressive, but they were just doing their job. You know, they were just protecting mm -hmm. their young. I saw herons, mm -hmm. I saw an egret. Yeah, I just saw the most beautiful bird life. And then... I would hear sort of oyster catchers and things around me. Mm. And so, yeah, it was lovely. Really, really extraordinary, actually. How, how did it change you to go on this massive trip from, you know, one end of the other? Can you put into um, words how, how it changed you as a, as a woman? I think because I was on my own so much and I didn't listen to podcasts or music, I just listened to the nature. I think it allowed me to hear my own thoughts and my own voice. Um, it allowed me to sort of tap into what was important or what is important to me now going forward in this sort of new empty nest stage of my life. I think it gave me 
more confidence. I think what was interesting was I think I just realized I was a lot braver than I thought I was. Mm. And I think we all are a lot braver than we think we are. And, you know, you make decisions and you say, right, I'm going to try, like one day I paddled um, 25 miles. Mm. um, And that was probably the most amazing day because I came into my town at 10:30 at night so i paddled through the darkness on my own um i paddled through two tunnels one was um a mile long mm. um so you do in things pitch dark in the pitch, pitch dark. dark yeah um and it's on a traffic light system so you have half an hour by which um so that the uh the narrow boats coming from the other way have to stop so you have a half an hour to do it you know and i paddled through this tunnel and i'm not afraid of the dark but I'm not great in the dark (laughs) um you know but it was like okay you just have to do it and I think I just learned that I'm braver than I thought and I think we all are and I just feel I guess I feel like I didn't know at the start of the adventure how it would end I never doubted really that I would do it because it was so much in my heart to do it but I didn't know every step along the way. I didn't know what the weather would be like. I didn't mm. know what the locks would be like. I didn't know that we were going to have this awful duckweed, which just basically slows you down. It gets under your fin and ah. it's like this weed. Um, and uh-huh. I didn't know all these different things. I didn't know every aspect of what was going to happen, but I set out anyway. And every day I just gave it my best. And I guess that has really helped me make decisions for my futures. Like I've always... Like somebody said, you always just wait until all the lights go green. And actually, I know that I don't have to wait till I have every single thing in place now. I just have to go with it and trust that I will make the best of every situation and just do it. I think I've always been quite timid about taking any level of risk. And now I sort of feel, no, you can trust yourself to make the best of it you know you'll make the right decision mm. for that time and maybe you'll look back and it might not be the best decision but you'll do it with the best intentions at the time and and yeah it makes me a little bit braver about choices that I'll make in the future mm. so, it, it sounds yeah. like a not as cautious and not as much like what if I make a mistake what if yeah. it doesn't go well that yeah. you just yeah. say listen I'm I'm gonna figure it out I don't yeah. know what it is but I I know I have the capacity to figure yes. it out yeah mm-hmm. and exactly i have it within me to figure yeah mm-hmm. i have it in within me to figure it out and and i'll figure it out that i i have to trust myself to figure mm-hmm. it out the best i can and trust that what i do at that time is good enough and not mm-hmm. already tell myself that the decision i make two months down the line isn't good enough <laughs> it's like just trust that mm-hmm. you can do it and trust in your ability and trust yourself to be kind because to be kind to myself. So, you know, there were days when I, like I say, I paddleboarded 25 miles. So I paddleboarded until 10.30 at night and it was extraordinary. And that was the kindest decision I could make for myself because I um, I could have finished at eight o'clock that night. I was with friends. My friend's daughter was ready to collect me. And I said, no, I want to go the extra couple of hours or so and get home, get closer to my home. And I know I'll be paddleboarding through the night or not through the night, but till 10.30 in the evening. I know it will be difficult, but I feel I have it within me. And that was the kindest decision Mm. I could do for myself Mm. because I created this extraordinary memory for myself that I'll never, it will be like the 
one of the best days of my life. Oh. And the next day, <laughs> I think I've paddled 10 miles and I said to Frit, I just want to stop now. It's, mm. I don't have it in me. And we were due to meet somebody. And, and I texted her and I said, we're not going to make it today. I don't think I have it within me mm-hmm. to make it to you today. Can we come tomorrow? And she was amazing. She's a mindfulness teacher. And she said, uh-huh. um, she said well done for making that decision. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, because my, I think my text had like 14 sorries in. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I don't think I've got it within me. And she said, well done for making that decision and mm. making it decision you know for your well-being and 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 then the next self-respect yeah because I said I don't have it in me the weather was horrible and I just didn't feel that I needed you know and so Frit and I spent an evening together we were at my house that night and we chatted and and the next day we we met up with this friend along the route and and um yeah it just was the right decision and it's like trusting myself that Mm. I can make the right decision for myself wow life-changing absolutely life-changing yeah amazing stuff what is your next project joe um well we're finishing the film and um, i'm going to be i'm looking into how i can train to become a paddleboard instructor Mm -hmm. so that i can take mainly women i think out onto the water um i have um i've been taking some friends out and and I love that. I, I've taken one woman twice. She doesn't have her own paddleboard, so I, and I have two. So I take her out and we litter pick and we chat. And um, I always take a photograph of her looking like a real warrior with a paddle. And I mm. just and she says it just makes her feel great. And I thought if I could do this and take more women out um, and have sort of like well-being on the water days. So mm. we talk. We maybe do some stretching and yoga and. We pick up litter and we and we have some great food. So that's really what's that's really my main my main next focus is 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 and I can do that alongside my job because I have a, a normal day job, um, mm-hmm. um, as well as my water fitness that I teach in the swimming pool. So yeah, it's just adding to my portfolio really of things I can do. And then when the film comes out, we'll talk about that. So yeah. And do we have a name for the film? I uh, know we keep going around in circles. <laughs> we have ideas and, and Frit has ideas. So, I mean, Frit met me on Instagram and um, she asked if she could come and make the film with me. And I said, look, I have zero budget for a film. Mm. I know they're really expensive to make. So um, I said, I can pay for your food and I can pay for your fuel to come and I can put you up and I can give you peanut butter sandwiches for <laughs> lunch, but I can't really, you know, right. I can't really do anything else. So it's very much in her hands and so she's you know the time scale she works and, and has other projects so we'll be meeting up in next month and we'll probably discuss it but we had only probably spent two hours together before we then spent eight days together oh my um, goodness more yeah. courage yeah so literally we had met one day at an event that I was speaking at and then we met at another event and we had coffee a cup of tea together Mm -hmm. um and then she turned up literally at the beginning of the canal and said right I'm here to spend the next she spent like four days with me and then she was away for a bit and then she came back for a bit and you know literally I set off and I was like this woman is going to be with me and I have no idea who she is you know we literally stayed in the same room that night like a a twin room and it was just like 
I don't really know her. Oh you my know? God. There's Isn't a theme here, Joe. Yeah. There's a theme about you like <laughs> making connections and having people join you and be and be in, just inspired by you. It, I feel like you're the Pied Piper <laughs> and everyone's fun. It was just really weird, you know, when you think about it. And the funny thing was, well, not funny, but that day I think I was so full of adrenaline that and excitement that I didn't mm. drink and eat enough. So we arrived at the hotel and I was, my legs were shaking and mm. I was swaying. And I was like, oh, what if this is like what paddleboarding does to me long distance, mm. you know? I mean, it was just because I hadn't eaten enough. And so I was really sort of, I dropped my phone and cracked it and I'd only had my phone like about a month and I cracked oh, the screen no, and, and no. I'm like, oh gosh, because I was just like not quite there. And again, and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, um, yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> and I just realized I just hadn't eaten and drunk enough. So oh. um, I was just shaky for that reason. But um, yeah, so, um, so we're working on the film and just seeing where things take me and and really so my youngest son has just gone to university so I'm also just kind of going with the whole flow of um being a a single mum empty Mm. nester and Uh and working on that and um yeah so it's all all new it's unfolding it's unfolding yeah and and he's literally going with the flow like just saying okay this is this is different this is new so yeah all good That is all good indeed. And where can people find you and and follow your adventures? I'm mainly on Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm at Healthy Happy 50. So Healthy Happy and then 5-0. Okay. And I do have a website, um, which is Uh healthyhappy50.com. And Uh I have about a thousand blogs to upload. (laughs) Oh, dear. You know, I need to keep them. I need to start uploading and being a bit more on the ball about it. But I I do record everything um, on my Instagram. And Mm -hmm. um, I do write quite like their little micro blogs, really, on Instagram. Just Mm -hmm. keep everything in touch there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all very exciting. It's beautiful. Do you have any last words or advice? for our listeners who are all over the world and I think would really um, understand what you're saying, this idea of, oh, I just can't, I can't cook one more meal. I can't do one more load of laundry. I can't, you know, I'm at sort of at the end here of my stamina and um, what would you advise them? I would just say that they probably got to that point if they're like me by not looking like by not putting themselves on the priority list, mm. you know, by just thinking that everybody else is higher up that list and you can't pour from an empty cup. And I know that it's, you know, um, we all have so many responsibilities at this age, you know, we've got parents to look after or children to look after or other relatives and working and but it is just really important to carve out some time to look after yourself and I think sometimes we need permission almost to do that and I wish somehow I had given myself permission to do that long before I got to that point where I was you know crying looking at the the chocolate biscuits it's Mm -hmm. like we have to so I would just encourage encourage them to to look after themselves and if that is just literally going to 
to bed sooner or going for a walk or taking exercise mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. saying no to things. You know, I've, I've recently said no to something and it was really excruciatingly difficult. Mm-hmm. It was like a volunteer <laughs> role. And I was like, no, I can't. I've been doing it a while. I can't. After January, I can't do it anymore. Yes. Um, and it was like, oh, God, I'm a really bad person. But actually, somebody else will step up. I've done my my role with that. And and I had to do that to, to allow myself other opportunities. And sometimes we just have to say no to other people in order to say yes to ourselves, really. So, yeah, I would just encourage them to do that because I know that feeling of thinking you can't go on. Mm-hmm. And it's not, a, you know, we it's not a happy place. We need to give to ourselves as, as much as we give to everybody else. Amen on that. That's a theme that runs through many of the interviews and many, really? many people, particularly women, say that exact yeah. same thing, that I thought to be a good person, I had to be super mom, super career, yeah. super par- all of this. And it's a myth. We can't do yeah. everything all the time. Something has to give. Yeah. And yeah. Um, this, this is uh, how, and, and it just turned out so beautifully for you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, I think in the 80s, we were told that we could have it all and we could do it all and we could be it all. And, mm-hmm. and I think maybe you can, but not all at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, you can be a mom and have a career, but, you know, maybe my career will change, but that will be in my 50s, not when I was, you know, I think we put so much pressure on people, on women particularly. And mm-hmm. you just sometimes, so my son um, was going to university and um, he came home and he said, Mom, I bought an iron and I went why did you buy an iron and um, we have two in the cupboard you could have taken both of them I don't <laughs> iron and he went oh god yeah I forgot that we have one and and I was like why did you forget he said because I can't remember ever seeing you use it for the last several uh-huh. years and I was like I know we've got two irons that I don't use because I ju- I don't iron my if my sons need any shirts signing they always iron their own uh-huh. um, you know I wear jumpers and I wear blouses where, where you just see the collar um and that's just the thing I do you know yeah. I I just that's just one of the things that had to give it was you know going on an adventure mm. or ironing yeah um, <laughs> and I know which I choose because oh, I love jumpers you know that so, is uh, hysterical yeah. so um yeah I love that going on an adventure <laughs> or ironing <laughs> beautiful oh gosh beautiful yeah thank you so much my pleasure so much fun to talk to you and I just love what you're doing I love your adventurous spirit I love your bird watching and your trash picking (laughs) all of those things speak to my heart and I wish you such good luck on the film and thank you I'm sure our audience will be following your your adventures Thank you very much. Thank Thank, you. Thanks so much. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. 
If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.